This is The Fall Line. In June, The Fall Line will be four years old. In that time, dozens of stories have been told. And you, our listeners, have been introduced to family after family who've struggled. Struggled for media attention or sometimes law enforcement engagement. For every case that gets hundreds of thousands of dollars in reward money, there's another hoping that a $1,000 Crime Stoppers tip payout will be enough. You're the kind of listeners who care about those stories. The work you've put into the Millbrook Twins case proves it. With your help, an $11,000 reward has been raised, and a billboard advertising it has been up in Augusta, Georgia, for more than two years. And now, an even bigger billboard is going up, facing out toward a busy street. And that is amazing. But rewards, public awareness, in a cold case, those are only pieces of the puzzle. Because what most of them need, more than anything else, is investigation. Some of the cases we've covered are being actively and thoroughly worked. Shaikimia Pate's disappearance is an example. Her family, the GBI, and the Dooley County Sheriff's Office are in close contact to make that happen. But others, like the murders of Robert Martin and Tracy Thompson, who we covered in Season 4, there's less reason to believe those cases are receiving any attention at all. And sometimes, that's because an office has no staff to do it, no dedicated cold case unit, and current cases piling up. Sometimes there are other reasons. And so many of the people we've spoken with, from Donna Green, mother of Raymond Green, to Angel Turner, sister of Georgia Moses, they feel strongly that they need the dedicated kind of help that might only come from a private investigator, totally committed to their case. Private investigation doesn't come cheap. There are those who offer services pro bono, but it's limited. And finding a private investigator experienced in missing persons cases or homicide investigations, that can be even more difficult. But there's a group out there now changing all that. And this may be one of the most exciting pieces of information we've been able to share with our audience in a long time, because that nonprofit, Private Investigations for the Missing has taken on the case of Jeanette and Danette Millbrook. Absolutely free of cost to the family, the organization is providing a private investigator to look into the twins' disappearance. This work began in early 2021 and continues. We've met the PI, and Shante, the twin sister, is in regular contact with them as her sister's case is investigated. It's an incredibly exciting development that wouldn't have been possible without private investigations for the missing. And they're not the only family who are benefiting from the work of private investigations for the missing. The families of Phoenix Colden and Erica Frankelick are also receiving assistance of PIs, thanks to PITM. The mission of this nonprofit is simple. Per their website, this is their mission statement. Quote, When a loved one goes missing, families find themselves in a terrible position. They are overcome with worry and stress. Their life as they once lived it is completely changed forever. After filing reports with police, frantic searching, trying to find their loved one, a sort of shell-shocked state sets in as the search goes colder as time goes by. The reality is that police are often overloaded with other cases. Older cases receive less attention, 
and missing persons cases are often the most difficult to solve. The family doesn't know where to turn. Qualified private investigators are completely beyond the financial ability of most people to afford. Private Investigations for the Missing seeks to, at no cost, fill that need by providing to families with a missing loved one qualified expert investigators to work on and hopefully locate or bring some form of closure for them, end quote. That's a pretty great mission statement, and they're serious about this work. We've seen it firsthand. So we're joining with them to help raise funds for their ongoing efforts. Starting in May, they'll be our designated nonprofit for the next year. We also want to encourage all of our listeners to make a tax-deductible donation because every cent of that money goes to pay for private investigators who are working the cases of families who could not otherwise access these services. Every board member and assistant for private investigations for the missing is a volunteer, which means all of the funds go straight to helping the families. The links are in our show notes, and we're inviting our friends, other podcasters, to help us spread the word of the work of private investigations for the missing. To keep doing this work, they need funds, and we hope you'll help us in raising them. This project began with Bruce Maitland. He knows what it's like to be on the other side of the table, the family side of things. The people waiting for answers that don't come, or are hoping that investigations won't run cold. If you don't know Bruce, you may be more familiar with the name of his daughter, Brianna Maitland. Brianna was 17 years old in 2004 and working at a local restaurant in Montgomery, Vermont. On March 19th of that year, Brianna left work, having told co-workers she was heading home to sleep. She never made it. Brianna's car was eventually discovered less than two miles away from the Black Lantern Tavern where she worked. The car had been backed up to or into the rear door of an abandoned house. There was no sign of Brianna. That discovery thrust her family into a search, now 17 years long, for their missing daughter and sister. Though her case was higher profile than those you've heard about on our show, the Maitlands faced many of the same frustrations. For instance, they didn't know that Brianna's car had been found until several days after its recovery, though it was registered to them. Some months before her disappearance, Brianna had moved out of her parents' home, a family farm that was, quote, off the grid. She wanted to be closer to her social circle, and at the time of her disappearance, she was sharing an apartment in town with a friend. Though she was in very regular contact with her family, there was some indication that her case was treated as if she might be a runaway. The family felt search efforts were delayed and had no clarity as to whether tips were being followed up on. Bruce Maitland expressed these and other frustrations in a letter to the Vermont governor in 2004. It was Bruce's experiences with Brianna's investigation, which is ongoing to this day, that inspired him to start private investigations for the missing. Like many other families, he pursued private investigation and met investigators of varying levels of talent and commitment. He also realized just how expensive that service is and how few families would be able to afford it. And a good private investigator working on a case, it's more than priceless. Bruce gained that insight from his own experience working with a talented private investigator named Greg Overacker. This April, Brooke sat down with Bruce Maitland to talk about private investigations for the missing. 
They started out with that first experience, Bruce meeting Greg, and how it later inspired PITM. What set Greg apart from other PIs? You said that he was a really good one. Well, Greg is very, very focused. I learned as time went on. I mean, he's a guy that just won't let go. He would just keep hammering away at different things. He's very good with uh, analyzing um, other people and analyzing their what they tell him and separating the nonsense. Uh, and he's a good organizer. He, he you know, kind of keeps everything really, really organized, which myself, I'm a terrible organizer. Just not one of my strong points. And he's very solid thinking. And he's also a very giving person. I mean, he first came on and said, hey, I, I saw your daughter's uh, missing poster. I put missing posters along the New York Thruway at the rest stops. And uh, he said, I saw your daughter's missing poster and I have my own daughter. And, and uh, you know, I feel like uh, maybe I should try to help you out. And so, and, you know, that was in 2006. And he's still here with me. And um, he works on uh, my daughter Brianna's case. And then he also uh, has his own case that he works uh, for private investigations for the message. When you started this, you were saying that your main goal was to help people be able to afford this service. Right. Have you felt like those goals have evolved over time or that your work has evolved? The goal certainly hasn't changed. Uh, the, the work, uh, I mean, it's a very, you know, a simple goal of being able to help families that need it, who can't afford it. And then, uh, you know, there's just a lot of detail that gets worked into it. Uh, you know, what, uh, you know, what, what kind of cases do uh, we think we can work on and actually be helpful? Uh, you know, there's just different family dynamics that happens all the time and things like that. And it's uh, finding private investigators uh, with the right mindset who have a, a real kind of a mission type of mindset uh, is also kind of comes into it. And we certainly want to get the best representation we can for the families. So it's, it's, there's a lot of details in it. One thing we learned from meeting with Bruce and other members of the private investigations for the missing board, like Lance and Tim from Crawlspace Media and Greg, is how carefully they look at cases they take on. Because funds are limited, they're looking for cases where there are uninvestigated leads, information that families have gathered that hasn't been followed up on. Basically, a place that a good investigator can start and hit the ground running. This was definitely a factor in the selection of the Millbrook Twins case. Bruce and Brooke discussed that during their interview. Can you talk about some of the things you've accomplished with PIs for the Missing and what you would hope to accomplish for the Twins family? Sure. Well, I mean, we, we get requests uh, every week from families. Uh, can you help us? And you would like to help them all. And uh, in the case of the, case of the Twins, uh, as, as we became familiar with it and decided to take that on, it was just... Uh, after some, some work uh, done by some of the volunteers and board members and some that I did myself, I just became very interested in it and the fact that it didn't seem like a whole lot had been done in a lot of areas that a PI would be good at. And 
you know, there again, there's a family that can't afford to hire a PI. And, you know, one of our focuses is, is we like to be able to help people that, uh, haven't received any kind, haven't received a, um, a good investigation and don't have the ability to be able to, um, be able to make that happen. So in, in the twins case, we just thought that that's some, that's a case we really wanted to get involved in. And then thanks to you and, um, your work in that case too. And it, it kind of all fell together and, uh, we've got a great PI working on it right now. And so, uh, you know, I'm very helpful. There are people out there who want to help a family that's in a situation like this, but there are unique things that a PI can do that well-intentioned family members or friends can't do. Some of the things might be dangerous or like people don't want to talk to you. Can you describe that a little bit in your experience? Well, sure. I mean, a good PI can is good at getting information out of people. Uh, he Unlike the police, a lot of people won't talk to police uh, because they're scared of if they say something wrong or if they implicate themselves in some other or, or they're involved in some other form of criminal activity. There's tons of reasons why, or they just have a general dislike for the police because of uh, interactions that they had, but they'll open up to a PI and uh, you know, it, just willingly give a lot of that information. And it's the skill level of the PI has a lot to do with that. Uh, private investigators get hired around this country for a, a lot of different things, you know, surveillance and and investigating, you know, anything from insurance claims to whatever. But the the people that go into the missing persons is uh, is just have a particular type of grit that uh, and and trained skill level, and some of them are. Uh, right now, some of our PI, I mean, Greg was a, Greg's background was he was a bounty hunter. So he was used to uh, finding people that didn't want to be found. So it gave him a really good skill level. Uh, you know, some of the others are uh, ex-military intelligence, uh, former police. Um, so it's, but but they all have that kind of a, just a, a an innate skill that, uh, or a learn skill that just kind of makes them good at what they do. Missing persons cases are said to be some of the hardest to solve. When you have come up against this over and over, year after year, what keeps you going? It is very challenging. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times a lack of evidence. Uh, you know, obviously there's no body. Um, you know, there, it, it becomes very, very difficult a missing person case. They're the most, they're the hardest cases that I feel are to solve. And as far as me driven to it, uh, I just am. <laughs> I see, the, I, I see the benefits that come and I, I, I know from my own personal experience when PIs are working, uh, on my own case for my daughter, you know, I personally feel better. And, uh, it's, the uh, you know, see, it's a combination of things, but, uh, I mean, I, I just have a drive that I, that comes from deep within me that I really cannot, uh, fully describe something really bad happened uh, to my family, but you know, I want to counter that by trying to do good law enforcement has a professional attitude. 
hopefully in most cases, but they also have a, a kind of a, certainly from an emotional standpoint, they don't get involved in, in any kind of a deeper commitment to, to the families and how the families are, are, are feeling and how, how they, uh, they have to deal with it. Uh, it's, it's another case among many, many, many to them. And probably, you know, the most missing person's case is probably the most difficult one on their case, um, to do. And it's just, uh, just a different mindset you get. And for the families, it's great comfort. You're absolutely right. Great comfort to know that, uh, you know, someone that's interacting with you personally is actually out there doing something and it makes you be able to cope with it. Uh, the difficulties of having a missing person, uh, someone you love that's missing and it just, you know, makes each day uh, a little easier for the families. Specifically working on a cold case, which seems to be a special interest of yours. You talked about the difference between an active case and when the case becomes reactive can you explain that difference and how that's a great time for a PI to jump in? Well, I mean, initially when someone goes missing, uh, you know, I have found through a number of different uh, interactions I've had with, uh, with family members that, you know, the police initially will get on and actually do investigating. They'll talk, talk to the family, you know, they'll, they'll maybe talk to a person's friends or see where they were at or, do different things to try to try to locate that person, but pretty quickly, if it's if it's not something simple, then that part of their investigation ends because they have new new work to do, new cases to come in, and uh, then they move into kind of a reactive stage. So we don't get involved in it in the initial stages because we feel at that point, uh, you know, the the police are the best option. But once, once the cases start to go really cold, it's the time that, that we feel that it's most important to get that PA, PI involved. You know, sometimes early on in an investigation, you know, the police really don't want a PI involved. They, 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 don't, they certainly sometimes do not want the family involved out there in investigation. At least that was true for me. In a police investigation, uh, the police want to solve the case. They, they certainly do. They want to find that missing person and, and bring them home. Or if, if the person isn't alive, they at least want to be able to find the body. But in the back of their mind is always the criminal prosecution. So every move that they make is based on, well, if we do find something and this turns into a criminal case, we have to consider the criminal case. And in a family member, yes, we have the same primary goal, but... What I have found in my own experiences and with uh, other family members that I've talked to, the family member's primary goal is to find the person. They don't worry about the, the case that much. You definitely want to see justice done. There's a strong sense of that in you that, hey, I want to see, you know, especially if it turns out that the person was uh, murdered or something like that, we want to see that person punished. But that's not a primary goal. And as the cases become older and older and older, uh, you know, it even changes to where we just, you know, the, the chances of prosecution just may not be there. So in, in, that, in, in that case, you know, the family members often, well, we, we just want to find, find our loved one and, uh, you know, bring the remains home and have some sort of, uh, uh, I hate the word closure, but 
I still use it, but it's, it's some sort of settling of the soul or something about it. And you talked about the value of having been through that situation yourself. So you can sort of explain things to families. Can you talk about that a little bit? I myself and other family members also, I mean, you have a, you have a uh, concept of law enforcement that they're just going to uh, like pull out all the stops and, and, uh, and do all this in-depth investigation. And uh, often what happens is, is that just doesn't happen. So there's a, you know, it causes a lot of disillusionment. It causes, you know, a lot of anger and friction sometimes between the police and family members, you know, so, so what I, I, I try to help a family member where whenever I can just, uh, as someone who's been there to kind of validate their feelings that they're having, uh, you know, are, are different for every circumstance, but I just feel it's, you know, I have a unique ability to be able as someone who's been there to be able to, you know, communicate and help a family, you know, on those levels in the, in the practical things, you know, well, what if, you know, I try to remind family members too, that, uh, you know, in the end, uh, law enforcement is the only one, you know, no matter how much an investigator will do, um, you know, in the end, law enforcement is the, is the, uh, the final, the final say, as far as, you know, if, if prosecution or if, even if it gets to, uh, depends on the circumstances. Sometimes even if it gets to searches, um, different uh, states, jurisdictions and all that, uh, searching private property and different things, uh, you know, have to be done by law enforcement. So it's uh, some dog teams will only work with law enforcement and won't work with private individuals. So there's a lot of these things that people run into that I try to, you know, kind of just talk through it with them and do the best I can. There's a lot of people that there's, there's two different reactions family members often do. Um, one, one way is what, what I call in my own words is the hard way. And the hard way is to just stick with it, endure the pain, keep trying to find out what happened to your loved one, and just never let go. But the other way, and it, it's hard on both ways, but the other way, oftentimes family members will just kind of close down. And they'll just kind of keep that all inside and they'll withdraw and they, they, you know, maybe they have a internal hope that one day, you know, that person will just suddenly magically appear. Uh, and it's just different people coping with it in different ways and neither is wrong. And then families have, you know, sometimes they'll have, uh, you know, funeral services or, or different things like that in an attempt to find their own, their own way to closure on it. That's often a big step too. Before we do a case, one of the things is is very important that we we have definitely want to contact the family, make sure that we're all on the same page, and kind of know what they're getting into. Because if they, it can be a big step if you've been in the kind of the withdrawal stage, and then you know someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, we'll help you." Well, you have to realize now that you you kind of have to step out of that little bit of a comfort zone that you've created. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Every day in America, 60 million packages are delivered, but we don't always know what's inside. He bent down to pick the package up. That's when the device detonated. Danger is everywhere, and no one is safe in Austin, Texas, as law enforcement hunts a serial bomber for 19 days. From Sony Music Entertainment, Campside Media, and Pegalo Pictures, this is Witnessed. 19 days. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to binge all episodes or listen weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Can you tell us about the business side of PIs for the Missing? Like how many people work for the organization and how it's structured? Well, we have a board made up of various people that are very good at uh, different parts of, of what they do to help the organization. And uh, we take uh, right now, well, we have, and then we have about half a dozen volunteers that uh, do a lot of like background research, uh, case researches. Uh, when a case comes in, um, Tim and Lance of the Crawl Space Media are both board members, and and you know we we take some of these cases that come in. Uh, people ask, well, I'm calling them cases, but people that ask for help, and you know we decide whether it's even feasible or viable for us at this time with the level of funding we have to be able to actually get involved in that case. But we try to help in some way, and and one of the ways uh, Tim and Lance have just done a great job at is they'll. They'll take those cases and you know where they can, and uh, you know try to highlight them uh, through the crawl space media. Maybe uh, do a show on them to try to get the word out there, get their face out there. Some of our, you know, the the social media. Sometimes you'll see those cases on social media where we try to uh, promote promote that and do that when we get the word out. And uh, we want to get involved in a lot more cases. Uh, our funding comes essentially through small donations through various social media outlets. I'm not a very big social media person, but uh, one of the members of the board does a great job with that. And we, you know, we can, you can, people give small donations through the website itself, uh, through PayPal, even through Amazon Smile, where they can uh, elect to use that and elect to use us as their uh, designated gift for Amazon for their purchases. Uh, that's a great system because the cost of the person actually pays nothing. Amazon do donates a small amount, but uh, that's how we've had to make it work for now. And we've been, I've been very fortunate that, you know, everyone does a certain portion of volunteering, um, you know, so that uh, all the money now can go strictly into the PIs to pay their expenses. And the PIs volunteer uh, really substantial portions of their time also in some of the work too and, and but the, you know they, they need to keep from going backwards so it's um, we we do try to cover that and we would love to expand but we just have to do it uh, as we get funding if we have listeners who are interested in volunteering can they do that from anywhere in the country what types of things would you be looking for if someone wants to volunteer their time well we're always on the search for a good grant writer someone's experienced in the grant writing world uh, because we don't seem to fit into the grant writing, the, the, the world where grants are given out normally by a lot of uh, companies and uh, different foundations and things because they're all looking for something very specific and PIs for the missing is a one of a kind thing. So it's, uh, it's difficult to fit in there. We're, we're always looking for that. We're often looking for researchers also. 
people that, uh, you know, really know how to do an in-depth, uh, you know, in-depth research, because that's one of the things that our researchers do is, and I mean, it's, it's work. It's not just tooling around the internet and, uh, you know, find a little bit about a case. They, they have to develop a really, uh, in-depth summary so that uh, we can decide whether to put it on the show or maybe it's a case we need to look into a little bit more to see if we want to be able to take it on. And, and if they have a skill set that we haven't thought of yet that they think might fit, I mean, it just, uh, if they go on our website, uh, investigationforthemissing.org and they can contact us through that website and, uh, and, you know, if they have a way to help, uh, you know, we would always be grateful. You said that all the people that work with you are volunteers. So if people were interested in donating, that would be going straight to the cost of a PI for a family? That's right. Yes, 100%. We're a, you know, an organization that, you know, has a, has a real mission. And we don't, uh, you know, we have no paid staff. So all the, all the money that comes in is focused is going out to the PI for those cases. Yes. And if they wanted, some of your audience wanted to donate to the, you know, to the Millbrook Twins, they wanted them, their money to go to for that PI, specifically for the Twins case, then yeah, we would we, make sure that happens. Can you also talk about how the pandemic has affected cold cases? It's made them a lot more difficult to work. You know, the, the court systems, you know, are closed. It's difficulty to, to uh, actually get around. The police, the police, you know, are having have kind of shut, almost shut down in some cases. Yeah, they have to handle what goes out on the street or what goes on in the street, you know, in a basis. But they have kind of shut down and uh, do very little, like, interviews. or And, you know, even for our PIs, they're, uh, they're uh, you know, some states have travel restrictions and, and things like that to get involved in it. So it's really, really, has really affected us. We've seen throughout the past year, I mean, a lot of, a lot of retired police are, you know, or police are retiring. Uh, you know, they they tend to be, uh, you know, short staffed and that's the investigator branch of it. It's, I, I do not see much improvement for police investigations, um, coming anytime soon. Can you tell me about your vision for PIs for the missing in the next five or 10 years? Well, I would certainly like to increase tenfold. And, I, and you know, in, in 10 years, I would like to double or triple that again. There is just so many people out there that, you know, don't have any help. And the system that has kind of evolved for investigating missing persons from law enforcement just does not work very well. And it's, I would like to, you know, have, I would love to help everybody that that wants help and I would actually love to be able to be aggressive about it and, and going out and finding cases that didn't get any help at all and be able to help those people. So, you know, my real, my big, big long time goal is to have a large organization that's spread out through the country and have PIs all through the country that are doing this kind of work. And, you know, we, we can really, kind of put a dent because there's sometimes in these cases where the basic, basic, basic questions and people have not been asked or sometimes in the cases where someone goes missing and, uh, you know, the police come and they take the report and that's the end of it. It's just done. And it's, it's, 
just breaks my heart when that happens. Can you talk about how it felt when you had the two solves that you talked about? That was good feeling to know that we could just get involved. One of our PIs is, uh, is a subscriber to a very, very, very good search site, has some very good connections also. Otherwise, uh, where things can get searched uh, beyond the normal. And uh, in those cases, we found, uh, we located where the people were in a relatively quickly amount of time. And it was, uh, it was a good feeling. I mean, in both those cases, uh, the person, one was a, a juvenile, I think, when he went missing, but then is now an adult and does not wish to have any contact. Uh, in another case, it was just a, uh, you know, the family, uh, you know, another member of the family did not wish to have any contact, but at least we, you know, feel that they're victories in the sense that they've given um, the, the family member, you know, that actually was missing the person, you know, some sense that that person is alive out there. And that, uh, you know, hopefully circumstances change and, and, you know, they will make contact. So that's a good thing. They're small victories, but you take them when you get them. You can read more about private investigations for the missing on their website and see Bruce's plans for all the work that he hopes to do in the future. And we hope you'll join us in supporting that work. As Bruce said, you can specify your donations, which can currently be made via their GoFundMe and are 100% tax deductible, to go to the Millbrook Twins case. Or, like us, you can make a general donation to support all the cases that PITM is working on and plans to take on in the future. The Fall Lines listeners sometimes tell us that while they love hearing all the stories on our show, stories they don't hear other places, they're sometimes left feeling sad. Sad that families are facing a brick wall. This organization is a way to help families overcome that wall. And Bruce is most specifically interested in helping families like those who are featured on the fall line, with little attention paid to their cases and without the means to hire their own private eyes. And we can all help. Share. Donate. Post on your social media. Ask other podcasters to share private investigations for the missing and feature their work. Encourage local press to cover them. They need a higher public profile to raise funds and help as many people as possible. Special thanks to board members Michelle Kazuba and Jillian Kuzma, who helped us so much with so many things this year. And to Tim, Lance, Bruce, and everyone else at Private Investigations for the Missing. There is hope. Thank you for listening. The Fall Line is a fully independent show, and we appreciate listener support. It allows us to do research, obtain FOIAs, pay our content advisors, and support and donate to the causes we care about. If you try out the products we feature, please use our sponsor codes. It really helps. And if you'd like to support the show and the stories we cover, join us on Patreon. We're raising funds to pay the rent on the Millbury Twins billboard, begin a therapy fund for families who've been on the show, and many other projects. You can read a public post about those goals on our Patreon page. On Patreon, you can get early release, ad-free versions of our regular episodes, plus blogs and videos, for only $5 a month. We've also added live streams, which all patrons can enjoy, starting at just a dollar. The Fall Line is written, hosted, and researched by Laura Norton with additional research by Brian Warders, Kim Fritz, and Jessica Ann. Family and law enforcement interviews by Brooke Hargrove. 
produced and engineered by Maura Curry. Content advisement by Brandy C. Williams, Liv Fallon, and Vic Kennedy. And, as always, our most special thanks to Angie Dodd. Currently, our monthly donation is going to private investigations for the missing.